This is Josh Mills. I'm Jordan. This is Dave. And this is Steven. Welcome back to another episode of Acquired Tastings. We are ecstatic to have you guys back today. And I am super ecstatic to have on the podcast with us, not one guest, not two guests, but three guests. As you heard, we've got Jordan, we've got Dave, who drove in from Nashville just for the podcast and even sat through a whole bunch of really bad traffic. And then we've got Steven back as well. And it's going to be a great podcast. I already know we were t- we were I'm just excited. kind of warming our voices up beforehand, and it was all it was already pretty crazy. Is that what you call it? We were just <laughs> talking and telling jokes. Exactly. It's you know warming up your voices, getting 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 used to being on the mic. But this week is going to be a pretty interesting podcast, I think, because we are doing high low liquors. I just have a feeling we're gonna have a great discussion about the differences and why you may want to spend more. But we have bourbons and we have rums. Dave, you brought the rums. Why don't you tell us about what rums we have this week? Sure. Um, so I brought some Bacardi White Superior as the low. Um, it's what I happen to have in the cabinet at home. And then uh, for the high, uh, I know you're a big fan of Diplomatico. Yes. So they release a, every year, I believe, um, they release a special batch um, using different uh, stills. Copper, okay. copper still, pot still, column still. Um, and I was lucky enough to actually track down uh, one of them at my local liquor store. So I, <laughs> I sent Josh a, an excited text with a picture, and I was like, "You want to go half in with me?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I think, I think I think we can do that. Venmo is a beautiful thing. It is a great thing. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I have uh, brought Diplo. Diplomatico, excuse me, distillery collection number three, and that is the pot still. Very cool. And then Stephen and Jordan, why don't you tell us which bourbons that you guys brought? Because you guys supplied the bourbons this week. Yeah, I brought the low. I brought Maker's Mark because I was, uh, it seemed like something that I had had before, but since I don't really know a ton about it, I just grabbed something off the shelf. Cool. I'm Um, I'm so glad it wasn't like... Old English something or other. Like Maker's Mark is good. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay I, with that. I, I wanted to go for like the the middle of the road, kind right. of not just see the lowest of the low that yeah. I could find. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. We appreciate that. <laughs> Very much. So I have a couple of bottles of Blanton's laying around the house that I've been waiting to crack <laughs> with just a few. good friends. And so I brought a bottle of Blanton's, which I'm a big fan of. Not only is it beautiful with caramel and vanilla, but it was one of my late father's favorite bourbons. And so I've always been a big fan. And whenever I find it, I buy it. So yeah, uh, the bottle we're cracking today was actually a gift from Josh's sister when we watched her dog for three weeks while she went to Africa. <laughs> yeah, so you know, I guess we could say it was kind of a fair trade. You know, Lexi, Lexi's an easy dog. So, and I kind of want to say this before we really get rolling. You know, nothing we have on the table when we say low is like low. What we're kind of going about is things that are normally bought versus things that would be special buys, or in the case of the bourbon, like allocated. Yeah. Or even, the, you know, this rum is actually probably considered allocated. So that's kind of what we're talking about. When, when we say low, I don't want to say that Maker's Mark is a, a low-grade bourbon. It's actually, like Stephen said, it's very good. It's, you know, it's always there and it's very, very solid. And same when it comes to the Bacardi White. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, you know, gut rot rum. It's actually a solid rum. It's just kind of the, it's something that's always there and it's just kind of a standard. Okay. And 
We have kind of a good little smorgasbord of food. We've got a charcuterie plate that's got some bursola and duck ham from ham. I'm super excited to share that. Um, I was really happy that they had that. Uh, we have some Gruyere cheese, and then we have some wild boar soft salamis. Uh, and the wild boar is actually from Texas, and it's it's a really, really good salami that we've had before. Um, and then we also have, showing up from ham again, the Toulouse sausage which is, you know, a nice lighter sausage. And then we have a grilled steak at medium rare and Jordan's is it bloody. So, cause that's how she likes it. Um, but before we kind of get into this, we also, something else that we have, I got, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I was going to edit it out, but now I just feel like I got to leave it in, you know, I got to leave good. my mistakes in. Um, also, not to be forgotten, uh, Jordan spent this morning and made us some wonderful chocolate creme brulees and then she brulee them for us as well so we've got like i said we've got a lot of food to go with this liquor and we may be a little tipsy when we're gone but it's not going to be for lack of food all right so before we kind of get started here last week we had a blind and jordan blinded me on a beer I thought it was some sort of barrel aged beer, but it didn't seem like it was only or like it was just bourbon barrel aged. Uh, <laughs> um, that was me spilling a little bit. And you are cut off. Um, and I thought it was a barrel aged stout that had maybe multiple barrels or something that wasn't normal like a bourbon barrel. So um, Jordan, what was it? It was the Nighty Night from 2020, so last year's Nighty Night, which is a local brewery here, made by a local brewery here in Arkansas called Lost 40. And it does have multiple barrels, including red wine barrels to okay. it. Yeah, it seemed familiar to me when I was tasting it, but, you know, I couldn't really, I didn't want to say exactly what I thought it was, but it was hard. You know, it's harder than you think when you start blinding stuff. So, well, let's go ahead. I think, uh, what do you guys think? Should we start with the rum? Works for me. All right. Well, let's go ahead and start with the rum. So let's get a good cheers in here. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you guys for making the trip and being on the, yeah, thanks. being on the show. Ooh, hello rum. Yeah, it's, it's hot. Yes. <laughs> it's hot. You know, it ha does have that alcohol smell. Um, which some might equate to nail polish remover. Yep. It does have that, but it does have a kind of a, a like a, almost a sweeter undertone to it. Steven. Sweeter than nail polish remover. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, I agree. It doesn't smell only like nail polish remover. <laughs> but it, you could probably use it to take nail polish off. Well, yeah, you technically oh, you probably. <laughs> 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 Sounds like there's a story hidden there somewhere. We don't talk about all my college stories because some people just don't need to know. <laughs> yeah. But on the palate, it's a lot different. Yeah. It doesn't have that super alcoholiness. You do get that kind of sugary sweetness uh, that you kind of expect with the rum. Now, when it comes to the pairings, it's a free for all. Cool. Eat what you want, drink what you want, and then just jump on and talk about it. Well, I'm going to try a little bit of the creme brulee. Yeah. Go over that sweet on sweet. Mm -hmm. Now, while they're trying some stuff, if you remember, we, we have had both of these brands of rum on the show before. So Bacardi is American adjacent. Jordan breaking her creme brulee. She did a good job with the torch. Yeah. You know, Bacardi is an American adjacent is what I consider American adjacent rum. Uh, you know, because it's Puerto Rican. Yeah. And it's sugar. It's sugar cane based, right? Uh, or is it sugar molasses? One, 
I think it's sugar cane. Let me, yeah. I may or may not be reaching for the bottle right now <laughs> to find out. This is a great bar standard. Like yeah. it, by no means, if you sip this rum, you're going to, as in anything, you're going to get drunk and you may, you, some people who love rum may really like sipping this. But to me, this is a bar. This is like a bar staple for Cuba Libres, for mojitos and yep. those sort of things. Yep. Mojitos, daiquiris, maybe with daiquiris, they're, there's daiquiris are so simple right that you want to you want to try to use a little bit nicer rum just so it you actually taste it right and it may depend on the type of, also the type of daiquiri you're doing you know if you're yeah. doing a blender daiquiri yeah this will this will be great frozen daiquiris yeah you can use this that's yeah, fine this but would be one of the old school where you you know you shake the right. ever-living mess out of it get that nice like kind of frothy head on it the real simple ones you use something like a, a Ray and Nephew or something like that. Right. So what have you guys been snacking on? How's it tasting? I mean, we heard the creme brulee. <laughs> how, how is the creme brulee, guys? It's really good. I'm really excited to try to try it with the, uh, with the bourbon, mm-hmm. uh, both mm-hmm. of them. I think it's going to be really, really good, but I don't want to jump the gun. So what did, how did it kind of pair with the, with the white rum? I know a lot of you guys are just eating to eat, but on, yeah, some of us, <laughs> some of us have been stuffing, stuck in traffic and haven't eaten since 7 a.m. To be honest, it kind of washed out the rum. I didn't really like it. Yeah. The, uh, the sweet, like the creme brulee is so sweet that as soon as you take a little bit of the rum, you just, it just all nail polish. Remember at that point. Ooh, it, yeah. yeah. It, it just leaves that alcohol bitterness. I agree. I the opposite direction direction i started with the rum and then tried the creme brulee and you can't taste the rum after trying the creme brulee yeah like it, it's all just gone yeah and you know this is that you know this is i guess we could say this is a sweet sweet pairing mm-hmm. and you know we talked about it before you have to make sure that your drink is so much sweeter than what you're eating otherwise your drink is just going to turn bitter mm-hmm. and yeah. with the like steven said if you have the the rum first that creme brulee being such so velvety and not heavy but you know coating it really just kind of washes away that flavor mm-hmm. it's going to be i'm going to be really interested to see that creme brulee with the diplomatico with it having more of that body and depth to it yeah i agree so have any of you have any of you been to puerto rico no i have not no. okay no <laughs> i'd have, love to go dave have you ever been on your island journeys that you've been on have you ever been to a rum distillery uh, uh no i don't believe so i've been to a mezcal distillery but that was when I was younger, not like eight or nine, but I mean, it was, I think I was 21, 22 and I didn't have quite the refined, <laughs> I was going to say quite the refined taste I have now. I still don't have refined <laughs> taste, but it's just less bad. Right. But I, I tried some of that mezcal and Steven, you're probably going to hate to hear this, but I hated it and I'm sure it was actually really, really good. That's fine. <laughs> Are you a big mezcal guy? Uh, I came back from Guadalajara, a tequila fan. Okay. And so... If mezcal and tequila are anything like well, then, so <laughs> well, to me, to me they are. Maybe that's it's just a limitation of my palate, but it tastes like smoky tequila to so, me. Yeah, so that's the thing is like to me when when you describe a mezcal versus a regular tequila or a tequila, not a regular tequila, it's kind of like the difference between a Highland Scotch that's that's really clean and smooth and not a whole lot of peat on it. My favorite. <laughs> and that's tequila. And then a mezcal is more like an Isla scotch where it's, you know, Lagavulin, Agbar, yeah. those things where the peat and the smoke is really hitting you in the face. So if you really like those type of scotches, then you'll definitely like mezcal. Okay. Yeah. That, 
Sounds like something I want to try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, um, well, I mean, we, I, think, I think there's a bottle over there somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure there is I think, some. I think on the bottom of the bar cart, there may be a bright green bottle that's uh, left I over from the- I don't think John would notice. My, no, he wouldn't because he, would he, 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 he doesn't really drink it. <laughs> I can see that. I can see it right now. Yeah, we might have to, might have to reach try over that. and grab that. For the four-hour podcast we're about to have. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think of this rum? Just just as as we're kind of sipping into it. And then I know, Stephen, I've seen you eat the steak and kind of what has been going on with some of the other pairings. Jordan, we'll kind of start with you. Oh, Okay. On the spot here. I'm not a huge rum fan. Don't hate me, Dave. But this rum is something I would definitely prefer to have mixed. But this is the first time I've drank it by itself. And it's actually not bad. It's mm-hmm. a lot smoother than I thought. Definitely has a little bit of nail polish. But with this, with the creme brulee, I agree. It's It just doesn't go well. But the steak mellows out that nail polish a little bit. And yeah. so does the Toulouse sausage. I haven't really tried too much from the charcuterie plate, but, you know, I wouldn't mind sipping on this rum for something just to have a little pour. Right. I'd be very interested to see what it would taste like on the rocks. Not yeah. as not as just a, a drink that you should get at a bar, but just to see the difference between what it is right now versus cold. Yeah. I will say, at least for mine, it seems to be kind of mellowing out a little bit. And I don't know whether it's just because... That first taste is always really rough, no matter what you're drinking. Right. I don't. I don't mind it. Then again, I am. I am the rum guy. Apparently, you are. <laughs> so. You are at the, out of my out of my group. You're the rum guy. Yeah. Stephen, what about what about with what you've been having? I felt like the steak mellowed it out a little bit. It does take away some of that sharpness, and there's not a sweet competing for it. Oh yeah. And so you're you're able to to still taste the rum as you eat the steak. I felt like that was. A, much better pairing than the creme brulee when they're kind of fighting and the creme brulee wins. Yeah. I'm going to tell you guys something that I need you to try before I talk about it. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to try the cheese with the rum if you haven't. So I've done the steak as well. I've done the brusola and the creme brulee. The brusola and the steak both, like Steven said, they kind of highlight the that earthiness. Mm. But for me, it still kind of bites up that like almost like a pepperiness that's in there. Mm. Um, and I, cause I feel it a lot of my lips It's kind of where I'm talking about this, like peppery kind of sparkle, I guess the fattiness of the, the boar sausage and that really kind of rich gaminess also kind of gives this rum a little bit more body, but that cheese, the cheese is really good. <laughs> the nuttiness of the cheese with this rum, it really mellows nicely right? and pairs very well together. I know you said what cheese it is, but if you don't mind reminding me, I'd yeah, appreciate it. This is a, it's a Gruyere. Oh, it's not a super, super aged Gruyere, but it's definitely a good kind of that, not a f- nutty funkiness. One of my yeah. faves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, I was really surprised. I didn't even bother trying it. And yeah, you're totally right. It, it makes it, it, it almost makes it more, more cheesy is the only thing I like almost, almost saltier, but not quite. Okay. Makes yeah. what saltier, the rum or the, the cheese? The cheese. Okay. It, it just makes it more more intense. Okay. Like turns it to, like kind of turns the flavor to 11. Yeah. Yes. That's a perfect way it of putting it. It brings that nutty saltiness out a little more. It's a rum. Yes. Very nail polish, but it has that touch of sweetness and yeah. it brings out the nutty, salty of the cheese and it's quite delightful together in my opinion. Stephen, what do you think? I, I think that the rum definitely brought something more out of the cheese. Um, I know you were talking about peppers 
mm. when uh, when I was trying it, and I felt like I could definitely see that. Yeah. Um, because having the the cheese just by itself earlier, I didn't really pick that up, but with with the rum, I felt like I could see that a lot more clearly. Right. Yeah. So I mean, I was very surprised by that, and I really just thought it just because I was like, okay, well, you know, as the quote unquote host of the podcast, I should probably try everything with everything. <laughs> I was like, um, it's not really going to do much. It's Gruyere. It's going to I thought it was going to fight with the rum, but it really, really didn't. Yeah. It reminds it me a, well. a lot, the kind of partnership between the two. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of Parmesan and Champagne. When you did the Bubbles yeah. episode, I think I mentioned that my, me and my wife and my mother and father-in-law went to, went on a vacation and we used that podcast episode to basically have our own little kind of tasting party. And we, yeah. we got a couple of champagnes and we got, you know, the cheese and everything. Right. And I got about halfway through and then I just stopped because I just liked the cheese and mm -hmm. the champagne so much. I just started alternating between those for the rest <laughs> of the night. Uh, and it, cause it, it blew my mind. Like it was, it was almost like the champagne was working as a palate cleanser where yeah. it would just wash away yep. any of the residual kind of mouthfeel and all that stuff. And then each bite of the Parmesan was brand new. Yeah. It was wild um and that's a lot of how i'm perceiving this right now okay and that's that's the magic of you know, one of the magics of champagne is or a good dry sparkling wine mm -hmm. it has so much acid that it just it really does just kind of clear out your mouth and brightens it up and wakes it up for whatever comes next mm -hmm. So you like cheese and champagne, fried chicken and champagne. I have Will heard about this. It's amazing. Life. I have heard about this. It is fabulous. I, I, I think I heard about it, and I don't know if he's the one that instigated it or not. But I know I made the rounds in Nashville. Chef Sean Brock was yes. singing its praises. That uh, champagne and fried chicken, and then caviar and fried chicken, mm -hmm. and which kind of is the same, a little bit, the same kind of relationship, right. you know, counterbalance. And he got a fair amount of hate for it from the keyboard warriors for a little bit. And then other chefs started trying it. They're like, yo, he's on to something right now. Yeah. The ca the caviar is the little, is kind of a weird one. Cause you would just think it's salt on salt, mm -hmm. but there's so much fat in fried chicken that it goes with that saltiness mm -hmm. of yeah. the, the briny saltiness of caviar. Yeah. So yeah. I was already planning to make some hot chicken in a little bit. Yeah. How, like, would that be completely off base to try that with some champagne? Uh-uh. No, that'd be awesome. It would, it would be really good. The thing you have to watch out about it is carbonation and alcohol enhance heat. I'm excited then. So <laughs> <laughs> you can be this super is going to be fantastic hot but chicken. The other thing that you could do with that is rather than buying a Brut, buy like a Demi-Sec, a sparkling wine that has a little bit of sweetness that will help kind of counterbalance with the heat okay, and give that play of the sweet in the heat. Cause you know, sweet, sweet lowers heat. Mm -hmm. Like they kind of balance each other out. That would be really fun. That would actually be a great, you know, if so Dave mm -hmm. in Nashville, can you BYOBs to restaurants? You know, they to have be honest, and stuff? we have a two year old and we don't go out a whole lot anymore. <laughs> well, you mean you uh -huh. went on before. Um, I believe it just depends on the restaurant. Okay. Some of them, you know, obviously you can't do it to like a sports bar or something right. like that. There are certain places that will let you bring your own. But Bottle, frankly, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Frank, we haven't, I, I just know of them. We haven't been right. to any. Because I, I can just see, I can see people like 
going up to a hot chicken shack, getting the chicken, sitting out in the parking lot, like tailgate style, having yeah. having something to drink with it. Like we do with Excalibur. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. All the all the main ones, like, you know, uh, Hattie's, Prince's, uh, right. Bolton's, they all already sell beer along with it. So they're not going to let you, they're not going to let you bring it. They want you to buy their stuff. Right. Well, how about we kind of head to the head to the next one? So, Dave, do you uh, might wanna... be a step ahead of you? <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave, would you like to tell us a little bit about this rum? Uh, yeah. So, there's not. I don't have a ton more to add to kind of what I said at the beginning. But this is a Diplomatico pot still rum. Um, like I said, it's a number three in the distillery collection uh, that they very occasionally put out. And it's, I'm fascinated by it because I've had a fair amount of, of different types of rum at this point. And I actually prefer column still rums. They are typically lighter and a little more focused. Josh, I think I've mentioned to you that um, there's a pineapple rum from Plantation. Yeah. That's really, it's, you know, if you can find it, put it in your daiquiris. It's amazing. Yeah, it's sold here in Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah, look for it. It's it's incredible. None for me. Yeah. <laughs> but I believe that's a column still. Yeah. But something like the Papa's Pilar. Yeah. That I've I've brought a little for you to taste. Uh, something like this that are a lot darker and have more baking spice kind of things. Those are typically pot still. And of course, there's there's an exception to every rule, obviously. So, you know, if you find something that is a, a column still rum and it's as, as dark as the night, you know, as, yeah. yes, that does happen. Don't, you know, don't add me. Well, you know, that, that all that that also has to do with the aging process. Yeah. You know, it's not when it comes to the, the, the distillate itself, it may have some more of those maybe unrefined kind of feelings and some of those more nuances of the actual uh, mash because column stills you can you know distill it as far as you want it to go yeah, continuous pot, versus non-continuous yeah and you know the pot still you is you have to actually still it multiple times mm -hmm. to get the flavor that you want and then the aging on it now on the bottle or anything does it talk about how long it's been aged ah uh, let me take a look because i remember they don't really actually age define theirs no no, not the, typically. The Manitowana or whatever it's called that we've had before is like four-ish years, depending on the, like four to eight years, depending on the, like the barrel itself and how it's actually tasting. Because this has that like similar color to me of that kind of really rich, dark, almost kind of a molasses, like a thin molasses color. Yeah. It does not say how long it's been in the barrel. It does say that it has been in... American white oak barrels. Most, <laughs> most likely, says, most likely ex bourbon barrels. Yeah, it just says until it reaches optimum maturity. <laughs> so real answer. But yeah, eh, eh, we're not eh. sure. Whenever it tastes good, that's when we yeah. pull it out. <laughs> but it is a single barrel. These as well. Oh, okay. Um, which is probably why they're so limited. Yeah. How funny would it be if the barrels that can, that made this one is either, you know, from makers or from Buffalo trace. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. That would be pretty cool. Now, if it was a Blanton's barrel, it would shout it to the moon. Oh yeah. On the bottle. <laughs> <was a> <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> Cause you know, there's a wine, a Spanish wine that's aged in 
ex Pappy Van Winkle barrels and they, you know, like it's all over the label and it, you know, yeah. restaurants folks get their hands on that. And, yeah. And, you know. and market and, and the pricing people mm-hmm. can say, Oh, well this, you know, $20 bottle in the liquor store. Oh, Pappy Van Winkle. We're going to sell it for 90 mm. in a restaurant. Yeah. And it's a delicious wine, but it's not worth 90 it's in my an, opinion. It's not a $90 bottle by any means. So those of you who have been tasting this, what are you tasting so far? So I tried it with the cheese to see if it gave me the same thing that the Bacardi did. And it it was weird because when I when I, I tried the rum and it felt like it had a pepper flavor of its own, like it had some yeah. spicy to it. Mm. And so when I tried it with the cheese, I didn't get nearly the same effect uh-huh. of enhancing the cheese flavor. Right. It, it was like the, the rum was already there. It's like, okay, this is my show. Yeah, it kind of washes out the cheese. Yeah, yeah. this rum is... It's, it is flavorful. It's big. It's in your face. It is your spice rack in a glass. It's got all those wonderful flavors of cinnamon, allspice, mm-hmm. some light nutmeg in the background. It kind of reminds me of if you've ever had like tried Angostura bitters by himself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it has, it has some I of those have. remnant, those remnant flavors that make up an Angostura bitter. Yeah. Those really deep, rich, like kind of islandy spices. Just wait till you taste what I brought in the flask. <laughs> so I, I may have brought a third rum um, just to share with some close friends. It's, Overachiever. Yeah. <laughs> and he wonders why he's the rum guy. Yeah. <laughs> the interesting thing about this, because I actually, so I bought this Wednesday and we're recording on a, on a Saturday right now. And I popped it open um, when I got home just to taste it just to make sure because you know it's diplomatic was a great brand i've had a bunch of their rums etc but i didn't want to be the moron that brought a really terrible <laughs> bottle of just overpriced rum to mm. the tasting so I, I took a little bit just to just to make sure and tasting it just then it was just very spicy mm-hmm. um you know like i'm sure everyone is is kind of tasting but i've had it now after the Picardi and the first thing I get that I missed completely the first time around is fruit. It's some sort of, I have to taste a little more, but right on the front, it's a a big round, uh, I don't know, it's mango or some sort of tropical fruit that I can't put quite put my finger on. I'm hoping you can. (laughs) Well, I'll get into it. Steven, you want more? There's more. It's even really like that one. (laughs) I, I did. Right. So has anybody you, done man. the Diplomatico with the creme brulee? I just did. What do you think? It's really good. That really burnt sugariness goes so well with this rum. Because I remember this rum is when I think they it's definitely sugar cane. But I think they do a sugar cane molasses to make their run rather than just like sugar cane juice. Yeah. So, um, I think I remember that about Diplomatico. Sugar cane honeys. Ah, honey. So I agree that it goes really well with that burnt topping. Try to get just some of the pots de creme. Just the just the, just the custard. And tell me what you think. See, I stayed away from it because of the, the first it's time we tried it. very different from the first rum. Whoa. You're welcome. It's, it's like black licorice. It's like really good, like star anise. So it reminds me of the black licorice that um, a friend of mine, her mother was from Denmark, and she used to bring back the best black licorice that actually had salt on it. Oh, whoa. I didn't even I know that not, was a thing. I have not been able to find it anywhere outside of Denmark, and I've only had it because her mother would go back to visit and would bring it home. Josh, do you have any Denmark listeners? 
No, well, I don't know if he listens, but I do know of a guy from Denmark. And no. guy from Denmark, you're on notice. That's <laughs> what it reminds me of. It is just, and I don't like black licorice. I like that black licorice. Mm-hmm. I eat black licorice out of desperation. The red licorice is gone. Yeah, black licorice is terrible. But I don't understand how people that, like that stuff. That black licorice that has salt on it, there's something magical, and I'm getting that from this particular rum and chocolate creme brulee. Hmm. But you have to leave out, you just have to eat the custard, yeah. not the top, not the burnt topping. Yeah. And it's it's bringing back like memories from high school. <laughs> like, and, thank you, Pia. <laughs> and it's really surprising because it's not like the Diplomatico is super sweet. No. So it's not like I would have picked it out to overcome the sweetness of the creme brulee. Right. It just adds some complexity to it. It it does it has enough flavor of its own that it sticks around with the creme brulee. It doesn't just disappear because all the Bacardi had was a little bit of sweetness. It didn't yeah. have a lot of strong flavor to yeah. sustain it. So Dave, what was the price point of both of these rums? Well, the to be honest, I've had the the white, the Bacardi Superior for a little bit. Um and it's a handle, no judgment. <laughs> but <laughs> Um, I want to say they're usually about probably 35, 40, something like that. Okay. Obviously, your results may vary. Right. <laughs> Nashville <sighs> likes to tax their, uh, well, tax everything through the roof because we have so many tourists come through. Right. Which I'm okay with, you know, they pay for our roads. So <laughs> cool. But it's it's very reasonable and it tastes like it's reasonable. You yeah. Know? The Diplomatico, the stuff that I brought. Uh, today that was 120. I happened to be splitting that with our dear podcast host. So, Catherine, when you listen to this, don't freak out. He didn't pay that much. He only paid half. I'm only paying half. I'm kind of okay with that because it is a not not the 120. Like I just don't have that kind of scratch to buy it just for myself. Right. Um, that's why I roped you in. <laughs> um, but I think. I don't know. I'm I'm a big proponent of having one like one or two liquors that are just sipping liquors. You know, they're they're not made for cocktails. They're not you know whatever. It, you don't drink a bunch of them in a night, but right. it's just it's a little touch of luxury if you can get it. And I think this and the again the the third rum that I I brought those are a little bit of luxury for me. I don't I don't drink them. A lot. I'm usually drinking a Negroni. <laughs> right there we go. I was mentioning before the podcast that uh, there's a uh, a drinking game that I came up with for this <laughs> this show. Negroni. Uh, any mention or, or hate on Negroni was a uh, a drink. I don't know. Maybe if I, if I can remember it all, uh, <laughs> well, maybe we can put it in the show notes or something. Yeah, we'll we'll have to post that out somewhere because yeah. Dave, um, Dave's been a listener from day one. So. Yeah. <laughs> But back to my point, I think it is, if it's not fiscally irresponsible, I think it's a good thing to find a special bottle of Diplomatico or Blanton's, you know, which we'll get to, where it's it's an occasion. It's a little bit of luxury. You have a really ra- nasty day at work or whatever, right. and you get the kid down, mm-hmm. sleeping, you're all done with dinner, everything's nice and quiet, and just pour just a half a finger, you know, whatever it takes, just a little bit in one of your really nice glasses and you just sit for 20 minutes and you just sip and you just enjoy the fact that your day might have gone to prep. Can we swear on this? Sure, we can swear. <laughs> your day may have gone to shit, but at least you have this moment where you right. can enjoy a little bit of luxury. So I have several luxury bottles in my bar 
Um, and I'd be willing to bet you've had them for a long time, right? So I've got one that I've had since March Yeah, that I have not even cracked yet. Yeah, ex- that's exactly what I'm talking about. It you don't... will be cracked on the 30th of this month, uh-huh. which is the first birthday that my dad would have had since he passed. Oh, okay. And I have a bottle of Macallan 18 because that was his favorite scotch. And my aunt was kind enough to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Cheryl, because you <laughs> saved me 300 bucks. But that will be the first time that we'll crack that bottle. We will cook some steak and potatoes, my dad's favorite meal, and we will drink a little bit of really amazing scotch. And I've actually, I've had Macallan 30. I've had Macallan 25. I've actually never had Macallan 18. So looking forward to cracking that bottle here. And I'd be willing to bet. Very soon. Just with everything surrounding that, it'll be way better than the 30 or the 18 like yeah there's something there's something special and you know i kind of touched on it last time i was crashed onto the pod there is something that is kind of um intangible about about, about cocktails about liquor and it can definitely be abused of course um yeah but it's also got a really a really nice um it can enhance your life if if used properly one of the things i want to talk about before we switch over to the bourbons is what kind of makes the difference between a basically a $20 bottle of rum mm-hmm. for a 750 and a $120 bottle of rum with something like this? I mean, can you guys taste the difference? I know it's really easy because we're kind of, we're kind of comparing, you know, granny Smith apples to Fuji apples. Yeah. You know, cause it, apples to apples, but just but barely, just, just <laughs> kind of like it. But, even if it were some of their aged rum, do you kind of see the, do we kind of understand like why the differences are there or do you guys have questions about what, like what makes the difference at least for the rums with as we're only in the rums? Well, I, I know that to me, this, this glass of, of the Diplomatico, each time I take a sip, I'm finding something a little bit new with the Bacardi Superior. It's pretty one note. It's designed mm-hmm. to do that. It's designed for cocktails and mixing and stuff. And it does that one thing very, very well. Right. This is meant to be savored and, and drunk. And that's, you know, again, kind of back down to the, the pot still method where you get a lot, of, a lot of complexity out of that. And then throw in the fact that it's a single barrel with all of its, you know, nuances. And it is, um, and it's aged in... You know, in oak, that'll bring a whole lot of of different flavors to the the party as well. I I love it. I I like the fact that every time I try it, I get a little bit of something new. Yeah, I felt like with, with the Bacardi, you needed something else to go along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it. It didn't stand on its own, but with the Diplomatico, it had enough to it that it can be its own drink by itself. It can be the thing that you sit and sip, and so it's it's like with the Bacardi, you're only buying part of the drink. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yes, you could sit and sip it by itself, but it would feel incomplete. The Diplomatico feels like the whole thing there ready to go. I agree with that. I'm not a rum drinker normally, but I could become a rum drinker if I could afford to drop that much on a bottle of rum on a normal basis. And I completely get a special bottle of rum or whiskey or whatever. Pick pick your poison. Yeah. For lack of a better phrase. Or both. I've I've got two decanters at home. You know, I (laughs) I have several very nice whiskeys that I've dropped a lot of money on myself. So I'm not judging, but I've never just been a huge rum fan. 
Mm-hmm. But I really like this this particular rum. Um, it's just it's beautiful. Yeah. Lack of a better word. It's beautiful. It's complete. It's complex. I can sit there and sip on it just like I can sit and sip on a nice scotch or a nice bourbon. It's just very well-rounded and yeah. very much enjoy it. Thank you for sharing. Yes, very oh, much absolutely. so. And so when we're kind of talking about this, for those of you who you know, obviously may not be able to go out and buy one or, you know, get a couple people together and share this. Some of the things that we're talking about here, you know, we've said these things like pot still versus column still, single barrel versus, you know, non-barrel age at all. All this stuff is adding up money. So when we think about, when you kind of think about Bacardi, now they do have some higher end stuff, but most of it is mass market rum. (laughs) So it's made in large batches, most likely in a column still, and then it's ready to roll. Like, that's it. They're sourcing their their sugar cane either locally or, but it's kind of, I kind of think it more of a, as a mass market production style. Yeah. And this Diplomatico is more artisan. They're taking the time to pick a specific type of still to use, and then they're aging it in wood that they have to buy from somebody else. And then they're letting it sit until it's ready. So it's not like it really is a craft to make this. And every one of those decisions is kicking up the price a little bit. Yeah. So we're talking about the difference between, you know, going to a Walmart or a, or a Target or something like that and buying a t-shirt and then having somebody hand spin you a shirt and design and make it themselves. So that's when we're, when we're looking at these, it is, it is, these higher end ones are a luxury. You know, Dave, I, mm-hmm. I really like how you said that, you know, finding that little bit of luxury and they are, but that's what makes the difference. Mm-hmm. between something that you can have, you know, four mojitos out of and not spend $80 of your rum on yeah. and be okay with. And that, so it is more of something that, that is to be handled with care or drunk with care. You know, this is not, these are not things that we would shoot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, it stands alone and it's meant to be sipped and enjoyed and be that little bit of once again, luxury. Yeah, it's it's got a purpose to it. You know, there's the purpose of of the Bacardi is to you know make cocktails with. It's it's designed to be a workman, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And this, I like to think, especially with this kind of limited edition uh, collection. I, I I don't know if it's true or not, but I like to imagine the uh, the distillers at at the uh, at the distillery like kind of rubbing their hands together in excitement like all right we finally get to show off a little bit let's do single barrel let's do it in white oak let's do this let's do that let's do it in pot still no let's do it in cl- let's do one of each who cares right. you know mm-hmm. and I, I i love that i love the lunacy of that it doesn't make any sense why they should spend all that time making something so so directed so mm-hmm. pointed so um so very focused but they did yeah. and when you taste it it makes sense when you taste it it makes sense yeah and it that, is magic in a glass yeah. yeah oh very well put yeah well speaking of some magic in a glass and things that are kind of lunacy well let's head to the bourbon yeah because the bourbon market for these high-end bourbons is just stupid mm. i'm yes. not I'm a, there's no other way to say it is it's dumb and we are going to start with a very great bar standard a whiskey that can stand on its own and is very good sipped by itself, which is the Maker's Mark. So we're going to head into the Maker's Mark. Once again, we have Maker's Mark and we have Blanton's. And this is our, quote, high-low, or you could say mainstream and artisan. 
And we're going to kind of, we're just going to head into it. Go ahead and start. I'm going to talk about makers, makers a little bit while you guys go ahead and taste and eat and drink. And then I will catch up when y'all start talking. Remember when we're talking about bourbons, we're talking about American made liquors. Uh, these liquors are 51% corn. And then the other 49% can be a mix of other grains. With these have to be aged in oak for, for just as regular bourbon. There's actually no delineation of time. Uh, it just has to be, quote, aged in oak. Uh, Maker's Mark is a straight, a Kentucky straight bourbon. So it's coming from Kentucky, and the straight means it's aged at least two years. In first jar, first use, American white oak. And that's it. That's pretty much it for every bourbon. Oh, there's some there's some proof issues when it comes to how what it's distilled at and what it's bottled at. Um, these are not bottled in bonds, so we don't have any of that kind of stuff to go on with it. The special bonding and all that. But these that's it for for bourbon. And then the the makers of bourbon can kind of do whatever they want. Now, makers is what's considered a wheated bourbon. As compared to some other bourbons. So Makers has, in their 49%, they have a large quantity of wheat to it. We've talked about rye whiskeys a bunch because we, on this podcast, we love rye whiskeys. They are the best whiskeys in the world. <laughs> no, they are not the best whiskeys in the world. They are the best American whiskeys. Thank you for that correction. I will yeah. totally correct that I because say. <laughs> that is... I will say though, I have, are, I have a bottle of Japanese whiskey that wants a word outside, but there are some, <laughs> I'll tell you this. There are some high end American rye whiskeys that will stand up to the world of whiskey mm. that just uh, was a Josephus. The one that Marie brought back from Liberty, from Liberty Distillery. Josephine. Josephine's that one, Oof. that one's staring outside the door in Scotland saying, come at me, bro. Well, why is we, that not here? Because we can't buy it here. We need to order some of that, ship it to Marie, and have her bring it when she comes to town next, for you, sure. Um, you might be able to get it. You might be able to get it shipped to you. I'll take well. those. I'll take a look. Yeah. All three that she brought, but Josephine yeah. especially, but all three that she brought were absolutely beautiful. If you're a big podcast listener, that was the one that was right around Christmas, New Year's time where Marie brought in three whiskeys that had oh, the women bootlegger. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Those. Oh, okay. okay. If, you, if you haven't listened to that episode, go back to it. It's a great one. There's some great stories in it. But that rye whiskey, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it would knock the door in Scotland and say, come at me, bro. That's what happens when you use Montana water. <laughs> and rye. <laughs> and where where are you from, Jordan? Remind me. Uh, I'm from Butte, Montana. Oh, okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come at me, bro. So anyway, so Makers is more of a weeded, a more of a weeded bourbon. So in their mash bill, the fifty nine or the forty nine percent, a majority of it is wheat as well as barley and rye. Yeah. So I have a, a an experiment for the rest of you, I, and this is we'll just see if I'm crazy or not. I mean, I am, but maybe I'm not crazy about this. Everyone grab a bite of the salami. The wild, the wild boar salami. Right. And um, when you're, as you're chewing it, just pull the maker's mark up to your nose and just smell it. <laughs> Steven's already going for poor too. There we go. <laughs> Steven brought this one. So we it's love totally you, okay. Steven. My man is getting it. Does anyone, so now, well, I'll wait till Steven's, Steven's uh, caught up with us, but just for Jordan and Josh, get whatever your impression is and just kind of hold on to that for a minute. This is this is either going to make me look like a genius or a moron. High risk, high reward. 
Does anyone else smell bananas? Mm-hmm. Yes. I do. Yes. Completely. I smell banana before Why? I Why? So why bananas? So a banana, That's bonkers. A banana ester is usually has something to do with a yeast strain and wheat. Okay. Because if you think about a lot of German wheat beers, you get that tropical, you get that tropical kind of note on it that can lead you to banana. Yeah, I I've never and that's just something that I don't I haven't experienced yeah. with, with German beers. If you but. get like a good German unfiltered German wheat beer, you'll find that you'll have some of those same esters, some of that same smell that comes off the banana clove. You a lot of times you'll smell banana nut bread. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was it was wild. I thought I was tasting rum for just like a split second. It, yeah. it made no sense to me at all. The other strange place you find banana is sake. Oh, why? That's it's, so weird. It's a it's a yeast so that that smell it's is not the is banana. Yeast. It's the it's the similar compounds that yeah. they have with other things. Right. It just has to do with the the yeast. The pretty sure it's an ester is technically the the chemical name of it that's put off by the yeast in the the alcohol when it gets when it comes to air. It just gives you that that tropical banana smell. Yeah, that was what. Just there is <laughs> this is. Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. There is nothing tropical about it. Right. And and also this is a pretty this is a pretty hard transition from this high end rum to this bourbon. Actually to bourbon in general. Yeah. And it would be it would have been the same going the other way. It would have been a I mean, I can't imagine going from Blanton's to Bacardi. Oh, I'm gonna try it. Uh, you are uh, we'll call it a braver soul than yeah. I am. <laughs> Look, I'm not gonna say it's good. It's <laughs> it's in the interest of science. <laughs> I'm going to say that's when I, when I get, go to the doctor and they're like, why is your liver so bad? I'm like, it's the, in the interest of science and I have a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but that is really fascinating that it, that the esters kind of do that. Cause that is not, I did not expect that at all. And I'm, I'm sure while, while you were talking, you saw my eyes, you like dinner plates like this. Whoa, hang on. This doesn't make any sense at all. I also think it just may be like, it may not be as noticeable if you just go to makers by itself, but coming from what we did. Mm-hmm. It may be showing up more. So, Stephen, how does this compare to Negroni? <laughs> Drink. <laughs> I'm. I don't want to beat the dead horse that is the Negroni. Why not? It's so in vogue right now. Just everyone's doing it. Apparently, no, no one wants to bandwagon. Um, just the the makers by itself coming from the rum feels you know hotter. Definitely get a, a whiff of that alcohol before you even get started. But, um, you know, I had more flavor on its own. And um, I tried it with the cheese just to see, you know, do we have the same Bacardi effect? Right. Um, didn't have that at all. <laughs> but as long as we're experimenting, I'm going to retreat, repeat things with other things and see what happens. Steven is the scientist of the group. <laughs> I, I'm probably the closest thing that we would pretend to call a scientist. Got to have measurable results. Tried it with the steak, and the steak took away a lot of that, you know, alcohol off the nose and, and palate and just let you taste the flavors that were in the, the makers by themselves. Yeah. So the makers runs at about 45% alcohol, and the Diplomatico runs at 47 So basically within a sensory, I mean, none of us are that professional that we're going to be able to tell two percentages difference in alcohol level. but you Steven, you you definitely hit the the nail on the head. This makers presents more alcoholic right than the rum does. Now, Dave, are you still getting that banana smell as you're going back to the rum? Excuse me, the bourbon. The bourbon. Yeah. No, not anymore. 
now I'm I'm just trying it with basically everything I can get my hands on. Did you just pour some? Did you pour some into your creme brulee? I, I might have done. You just stole my question, Josh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Don't shame uh, the man for trying new things. Do you need a new thing of creme brulee for the Blantons? Because we have more in the fridge, and I can go brulee atop really quickly. I might ask for one, but we'll see. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Like eke my way through the brulee because it is really good. But Thank no, I, I wanted to try. Frankly, <laughs> I wanted to to try a little bit of the Maker's Mark with the brulee, and I didn't. I didn't trust myself to try okay. to try to do both in one spoon or whatever. So I, I just did a little kind of dribble in the uh, in the dish, and then grabbed a spoonful. And it's it's good. It's it adds a little bit of complexity, which I guess is. Kind of a given. Okay, so what kind of complex? And now we're far enough into the podcast that I can start asking this stuff. What kind of complexity? Because I'm going to start making you guys think more as we drink. Damn it! I hate when he does this. <laughs> it's what it's. It's the wrong timing. Like, no, you need to ask us to think more when we haven't been drinking for the. No, past because hour. tongues are lo- tongues are looser the more you drink, <laughs> so you're able to speak more freely and not as worried. Because I agree with you, it does change. It does change what you're tasting. I'm just kind of. Asking to explain it for everybody else. What? How does it change it? It makes the it makes the the custard or the the poultry cream more savory in a weird way. I personally don't think it's an enhancement. That's why I only did a little bit. Yeah. Again, that's part of trying all this stuff is figuring out what works and what doesn't. So. So by the way, if y'all aren't eating the duck ham, I'm gonna finish it. Oh no no! I'm, I'm just make sure you're getting some of that duck ham. Save no, some for the Blantons because I want to see how it pairs, please. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to at least grab one. I, I definitely didn't like the makers with the creme brulee because I feel like it, it kind of breaks down the creme brulee and takes away a lot of the creaminess and the thickness that yeah. uh, makes it great. Might take away some of the sweetness. Um, so I, I didn't feel like that was a, a great pairing and I wasn't going to talk about it. But no. <laughs> since you brought it up, I, I, was, I tried it again looking for that complexity and I was like, I... I don't see it. I it's to me it's more complex. It's not better, but there is more going on when you do that. Um, well, I, I think I, it becomes muddy, if that makes any sense. It, it I I kind of I like that you said muddy because it makes your it makes the whiskey does it does make the whiskey muddy or the flavors get very um get very charred. Yeah. Get that super like acidic bite, like bitter kind of yeah, yeah, almost like it's trying to burn all those flavors. Yeah, that's me. a good way of putting it. Yeah, and it's it's past the good char and almost to that burniness. Yeah, the bottle's right there. <laughs> Jordan looked at her glass, sad because it was empty, and the bottle's straight in front of her. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty I, I, to go for it. At least there's I think no she swimming. was just trying to get a reaction. I don't I know if she was. At least it's true. At least I was been, trying to go for the reaction and I got what I wanted. Yeah. At least there's been no swimming food today. Jordan does her own show within the recordings. Like there's there's the audio recording and then there's her antics trying to get everyone else to laugh. Yeah. The only time that this podcast should be on YouTube is when Jordan's on the show. Yes. <laughs> it's true. My facial expressions are priceless. Yeah. We just need to do an IPA episode so everybody can see Jordan's IPA face. <laughs> I have a great IPA face because I hate IPAs. So, uh, okay. So speaking of that, now we're just going to kind of go off topic. This podcast is very not quote unquote normal bartender centric because bartenders love Negronis. Yeah. And a lot of them love IPAs. And the main duo of this podcast 
don't like Negronis, except when my dad's in Italy because he just feels like he should drink a Negroni when he's in Italy. And half of us like loathe IPAs. Yeah, I really like IPAs. I don't. And I did not like the Negroni. So, and that's the thing is like, there's some, and it's a different type of bitter. I expected to like the Negroni when we were too. talking about it before the show. Yeah. But then I had it and I was like. <laughs> I do no not like Negronis. I, I think you would like a Boulevardier. Yeah, I agree. Ew. Gross. I might because what I, I don't feel like what I disliked about the Negroni was that it was bitter. Mm-hmm. I think it was that there was this weird like fruit flavor behind it that mm-hmm. really made me feel like Robitussin. And it's not that it tasted oh. like it, but it reminded me of it. Okay. And I just have like childhood drama around that. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with you. Robitussin is one of those things that like when I was able, like when I was able to swallow a pill yeah. and Robitussin finally came out in pill form, I was like, yes, <laughs> I can actually control my coughing for once. Right. But yeah. I, I really think, so interesting that you said the fruit. Do you like gin? I don't know. Okay. We we might have to remedy that. So we'll have to. So, so gin, the, the Mexcal and the gin, I've got to try. Have you guys had it with the steak yet? I know, Stephen, you have. What did you kind of taste with it, with the steak? I, I felt like the steak was good because it, it helped the, it helped chill the alcohol out with the makers and just say, just let you taste the makers without all the alcohol in front of it. Okay. Uh, you can still taste the steak through it, uh, so I felt like they went well together. Yeah, a lot of people really like whiskey and steak together. I, I have a weird thing about sitting down with a glass of whiskey at dinner. It's and any, it's not just whiskey; it's any liquor. But that's just me. Jordan, what'd you think? I agree with Stephen. It kind of cuts that harshness that you get on the forefront of the bourbon. Um, and unlike you, I have no problem sitting down with a steak and whiskey. <laughs> Or anything and whiskey, because whiskey. But I do see your point of whiskey is more either a before or after type drink. I mean, that's my favorite dessert is whiskey, so. <laughs> right. I think my only problem with, like, whiskey at, you know, with dinner is a practical concern of I want to drink more as I'm eating. And I don't need to drink as much. I am the same way. <laughs> <laughs> as much whiskey as I would normally you know, just drink with my food. And so uh, I don't have a philosophical like disagreement with it, but, um, you know, just a, a personal health and safety thing. I really like it. It's, it sweetens it for me. And I think that's probably just, I mean, I'm a, I'm, I'm a pretty simple guy. Like the saltiness of the steak kind of wears out my palate. And so when something like whiskey hits it, it just tastes sweet. It knocks out a lot of the, the bite and it just, Tastes like a weird kind of desserty cl- pens- uh, palate cleanser. Excuse me. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, yeah, it- I kind of got that with the with the wild boar sausage because it is inherently sweet because it's got a lot of fat in it. Yeah, and it gives you that kind of sweetness, and it goes with the with the bourbon and kind of has that kind of sweeter feel this taste when you drink it neat kind of sweet it does has mm-hmm. and bourbon usually does because it's 50 at least 51 percent corn and corn is inherently sweet yeah it's weird i don't like corn but i love bourbon <laughs> <laughs> well anybody else got anything they want to talk about with the 
makers before we kind of switch please, over? Please, can we finally get to the Blandons now? <laughs> I think we're going to stop and take a 15-minute break <laughs> and then come back. All right, you do that. I'm going to go ahead. <laughs> Don't look at me if the bottle has suddenly disappeared. Uh, well, you guys go ahead and do your, your bathroom break or whatever. <laughs> oh, I'm coming for you, bro. <laughs> it's my Blantons. If you're going to drink that much, at least share it with the girl who provided it. Well, I tell you what, you and me, we'll stay around and we'll polish it off. Well, perfect. I think we'll go ahead and we'll go ahead and head into the Blantons. Now, Blantons, go ahead. Y'all go ahead and start and I'll I'll go ahead and start talking. Uh, we all first of all, we all saved a piece of duck ham to try with this because the duck ham was going quite fast. I should have had 40 slices instead of 20. That, that stuff is expensive, though, I, I will say. Here's the thing, though. It's expensive per pound, but you got to remember the slices are so thin. Yeah. These 20 slices cost me like $4. What? Yeah. You got to think it's by weight. No, no. I, <laughs> I understand. I, I, I understand how the butcher works. Then um, yeah, there should have been 40. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I, totally, <laughs> I, I totally should have done 40. I, uh, so back when Catherine and I still lived in Little Rock, we went to ham and we got some of this duck ham and they, we, it was pure serendipity. Like we just walked in cause we wanted a sandwich and we saw the duck ham. We we're like duck and ham. That's, I don't understand. Let's try it. Sure. And it was amazing. Um, as we all are realizing, we tried to go back several times to get more of it and they were always out yep. or whatever. The one time we had it, that we were able to get it again. Right. They were charging through the nose for it. It was, I think we bought eight slices and it was like $20. It was insane. And I don't know, maybe they, maybe they overcharged us. Who knows? Yeah. But it's crazy that, that you were able to get all of that for $4. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not a, when you come down to it, I mean, they're super thin slices, so it just yeah. wasn't a wasn't a lot. Maybe the slices were different or something. I don't they know. They were a little bit bigger, but not enough to. <laughs> yeah, they weren't on a, on a factor of four. Well, and who? I mean, if it was back when it was no, because y'all y'all didn't live here when it was district fair. We lived here when they transitioned. They were district fair. We that, went there. That and may have been why. I think they were ham right before we left. Yeah, that yeah. may have been why. Okay. It was district so. fair. Because district fair was a lot more expensive, but yeah, I've always gone in and gotten. 30 or 40 slices and it's like six to eight bucks depending on how many slices i get even though it's what 40 it's 40 dollars a pound yeah i yeah. was gonna say like 35 40 a pound but the slices are thin so yeah, unless you're it, just buying like 40 dollars a pound but you're buying 0.1 of a pound exactly so. yeah because yeah. i've always gone in and been able to get it yeah relatively cheap so and that's why i put it on pizza <laughs> yeah. exactly so anyway blanton's Blanton's, all right. Blanton's bourbon. Blanton's bourbon is oh. a very <laughs> is a very allocated bourbon. It Big is vanilla. one of those. It's Sorry. not quite a unicorn bourbon, but it is one that is. Uh, it's harder to come by. It is the I would call it a tete de cuvee. Um, it is the top line of Buffalo Trace Distilling. I can't remember the exact story. Uh, well, that's right. They did buy Pappy, but initially, yeah. before they bought Pappy, yeah. or their group hot Pappy Van Winkle, it was Blanton's was their top bourbon. It was the ones that that was that are set for the longest, that are the best of the best. They're single barrel. They are the they are very delineated in the barrel house of which ones that they get 
One of the special things about Blantons are the tops. So the tops of Blantons are a horse, horse with a rider on it. And down by the leg of the horse, there's a little circle with a letter. Each. Uh, so I was wondering how those were collectible. So I didn't the letters, know. the letters spell out Blantons, B-L-A-N-T-O-N-S. And there are two different ends because what they say is that the positions of each different letter are every position that a racehorse can be in in a race. So you line them all so up. So when and you it's line that, them up, okay. it, looks, it looks exactly like a horse race. It's that old school photograph. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yes. they're, they're very collectible, uh, which, one, which is one of the things that makes them allocated. But they are also, an ex, it is really also good. an extremely good whiskey. Blanton's will sell in the liquor store for between, depending on your liquor, depending on where you find it, it will sell most of the time between $80 and upwards to $200 because it is hard to get. I think in the state, it, each state is allocated a specific amount and then each liquor store is specific, is allocated a specific amount and some liquor stores don't even get it. Yeah. Based on their relationships with distillers and all that, or with distributors, and it is phenomenal whiskey. It is. It follows all the laws of bourbon. It is not bonded. It's not a bonded bourbon. What is bonded bourbon? I've, so bonded, I've always wondered that because I've I've heard of like bonded Applejack as well, like so, Lairds and yeah. So a bonded a bonded whiskey or a bonded a bonded whiskey has to be stored and aged in a specifically bonded by the U.S. government um, warehouse. It's taxed a specific way. It also has to be 100, a minimum of 100 proof. So it has a minimum of 50% alcohol. And the bonding has to do with taxes. And so it was back in the day, it was, you know, a specifically U.S. US government run warehouse. And it was, and those sorts of things. And the big thing about it is the warehouse and that it has to be at least 100 proof. Um, nothing else really changes from the aging requirements and, a, and anything like that. Uh, those are the those are the big things about it. Uh, but Blanton's is is super special from Buffalo Trace. Very very good. Now there, I see a lot of drinking, but there's not a lot of eating going on right now because this <laughs> whiskey is so good. It stands alone, and I mean it is a single barrel. It is um, sour mash bourbon. Oh, it's a sour mash. Okay, yes. which makes it even special, even more special. And Blanton's or Buffalo Trace, but the distillery has a specific warehouse that they keep their Blanton's in. It is Warehouse H. And if you ever get your hands on a bottle of Blanton's, you will see that on the actual label. It's also single barrel. Yes. Which but is... It will tell you when the bourbon was dumped, the date. It will always be Warehouse H. It will tell you from the barrel number. This is barrel 352. And it was stored on Rick number 30 and a rick for those of you who may not know is the is what you call a, a rack that holds barrels it's called a rick but yeah every every uh label of plans will tell you all of those that information and all these warehouses so when we're talking about these warehouses when it comes to aging bourbon and everything there is no sort of humidity air conditioning any kind of control to it it's basically a three to four story wooden barn that is full of barrels. And that's why I think it was two, it may have been last year or two years ago, there were a couple distilleries that had a barrel house go down and it killed 
production because in in these aging houses, we're talking, you know, probably a thousand barrels minimum. And a thousand barrels at, you know, 50, 55 to 58 gallons each. That's a whole, whole bunch of whiskey that yeah. is destroyed. And they're, you know, they have to sit there if they're going to be straight for at least, you know, two or four years, depending on whether it's, you know, bourbon or rye. And so that's, that's just such loss of production. Now, when you, I, I don't know about you guys, can you smell just by the smell, can you smell the difference in the bourbons? Yeah. Yes. So oh, what, sm- what smells different to, to you guys? I have to put my finger on it. Pass the, uh, pass the maker. Um, just immediately, you don't get as much of the sharp alcohol as you do with the makers. Okay. Um, I, I was, I, I could recognize something in it, but I couldn't figure out what it was. So I was trying to like breathe really deep and it took breathing really deep to get any of that, you know, alcohol vapor in my nose. So it just, it smelled smoother. Um, it's not as hot. Like the right. Makers yeah. is hot. I mean, Makers is beautiful mm-hmm. on the rocks and a cocktail by itself. Like we drank it, but it's definitely more hot where the Blanton's is smoother, a little bit more caramel or caramel, depending on That's what it how is. you people say it. It's caramel, by the way. But <laughs> we can debate that later. <laughs> That that's on uh, that's on acquired tastings after the pod, right? <laughs> but it's just it's got that caramel richness. It's it's a smoother smell in my opinion. It it smells. I can bury my nose way deeper in this glass, and I'm drinking out of a Glencairn for both of them. But I can bury my nose way deeper in this glass than I can in the Maker's glass without sure. getting that like burn and that yeah. like pullback feel. Yeah, it you is. have to go looking for it with the Blantons, but um, I mean, it's there, but you look for mm-hmm. it. It is a lot more caramel to me. Uh, one one thing that uh, Josh, you and I uh, have talked a little bit about is yeah, when we've talked about cocktails, is that um, to me, like the best cocktails are the ones that combine different ingredients to create a whole new kind of flavor. That is, if it's balanced properly. You can't pick out, oh, there's the bitters or, oh, there's the sugar or, oh, there's the bourbon. It's just a whole new thing. Um, it's alchemy, really. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. And that's, that's, the, that's what I really appreciate. When we tasted the Maker's Mark, right off the bat, it was, I could, I could smell banana, I could smell vanilla, I could smell you know, a bunch of different things. Blanton's... For me, I can't. It's just, it's just plantains. Like I right. can't pick out anything. I can pick out a little bit of the caramel, but it's not caramel. It's caramel plus. Like it's there's right. a bunch of different mm-hmm. stuff in there, and it's so smooth that I've never tasted anything like it. This is the first time, for what it's worth, that I've actually had plantains, mm-hmm. and so I'm I'm having a mini episode over here. Yeah, it's you're it's, welcome. Yeah, thank you. It's really really good. And what's blowing my mind is the fact that I can't the analytical side of my brain can't pick out what it is that makes it so good. I'm glad I wasn't the only one because that's why I was like breathing it deep, like trying to figure out yeah. what is going on here, and I I had nothing. When when I talk about this. When I talk about Blanton's or high-end bourbons, especially, they're all very nuanced and they're very integrated. 
Like mm-hmm. you can tell that this is the best of the distillate mm-hmm. that came out from these runs. You can tell this is the best of the barrels that they decided to go put away for even longer. And you, you can just, you can kind of tell that there was a conscious decision made that this stuff is different from the rest. Mm-hmm. This stuff deserves to be on its own. This stuff is, this stuff needs to go into warehouse H, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, Buffalo Trace is a great bourbon. Yeah. It is, I a, have some it, is a, it is a very, very good. I do good, not, and I'm jealous. <laughs> but, but there's a market, there's a marked difference between Buffalo Trace and this. Yeah. And they're the absolutely. same, they're the same mash bill. They're the same distiller runs. It's just they decide that this is better. They have that taste that, hey, this run, this barrel, is, is this, this is going to be blends. It would be fascinating to be the guy that goes through with the whiskey thief and mm-hmm. tastes, okay, this is a blends. Okay, this yeah. is a Buffalo Trace. Okay, this is an old benchmark. Like the, the, the guy that actually has the palate to sort out all those different levels. Yeah. So there's a great documentary out there called Neat, and it's about bourbon. And they focus on a lot of it is focused on Buffalo Trace. Um, they they go through kind of the Buffalo Trace. They talk about the story of Blanton's, and then they talk about uh, they have a guy who's worked in their tasting room forever. He's worked there as long as he can. He started you know at the bottom, and he runs the tasting room. And they talk through kind of how they taste stuff and how they decide. And it was it's a fascinating documentary. If you like to watch documentaries and you like bourbon. Definitely go check out Neat. I think it's on Hulu. It may be on Netflix as well, but I think I watched it on Hulu. But it is, it's, it's fascinating because it goes into that. It also talks to the first woman master distiller who is at Eagle Rare now. I think Eagle Rare is part of uh, Buffalo Trace. Well, then she's not there anymore. She She's out. So she's in the movie. She's at one distillery and she has left since then and gone somewhere else. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It is Hulu. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it is a great, it's a great one, especially if it's not very long. I think it may be like an hour and 20 minutes, like, but it's just, it's a cathedral and an explanation of bourbon, which for us here in America, bourbon is our bourbon is our drink. And I think, you know, there are, there are good bourbons and there are, there are spectacular bourbons. Yeah. And Blanton's is one of those that's spectacular. And if you can get your hands on a bottle of Blanton's, I highly suggest it for exactly what Dave talked about. That little bit of luxury when it comes to bourbon. There are other allocated bourbons that aren't as good as Blanton's. Yeah. Definitely. I, now this is going to be a big statement. (laughs) Like people are going to look at me and do I need to give the side eye? Because I'm ready. No, because you agree with me with this statement that I'm about to make. Okay. (laughs) I think Blanton's is better than Pabby Van Winkle 10. I fully agree with that statement as somebody who has drank both. I would 100% pick Blanton's over Pappy any day of the week. And I'd save money because Pappy is way more um, expensive. Expensive. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Like tons more expensive. Yeah. But Blanton's stands up. And even if you don't think that Blanton's is better than Pappy, it's right there neck and neck. And you'll save three to four hundred dollars <laughs> or more buying a bottle of Blanton's over a bottle of Pappy. Well, as someone who has never tasted Pappy Van Winkle, 
I hate you both. So, <laughs> how many high end rums have you had that I haven't? Oh, okay, yeah, that's a fair point. Listen, bourbon's, t- bourbon's I spend my, my money on bourbon and scotch, not on rum. Sorry. I spend mine on rum. Well, actually, actually, I spend my money on my son, but that's <laughs> beside um, the point. In your alcohol choice, you choose. Yes, yeah, you yeah. choose rum. But it's it's you know this is another one that we're comparing apples to apples, mm-hmm. and there is a marked difference between it. For sure. And we're still, you know, everything I talked about when it comes to the choices that they make are those things that make it more expensive because they're not making as much of it. It takes longer for it to be made. So they're holding on to all those choices are the things that make it longer. Maker's Mark, they make it, they age it, they put it out. And they're probably making thousands of gallons a day of Maker's Mark. And they may be making 100 gallons of Blanton's a week. I don't even know. But it's definitely not a lot. Yeah, it's it's that difference between something that truly you can say is truly artisan and something that is more mass made. So I'm going in for the deckham because nobody's talking about it. it. Yeah. So lead the way. I'm gonna go there. I I have to admit. So I tried it a little bit, you know, a couple minutes ago, and I'm a little embarrassed to say I didn't. It it didn't do anything for me. I don't know whether it's a. It's supposed to be a uh, like a palate cleanser or if it's supposed to pull out notes that i just don't have the palate for i don't know what and are you what are you tasting i don't have the best palate i'll be the first to admit it but to me that really didn't do anything to enhance the whiskey mm-hmm. it pulled out more of a smoke in the whiskey that's not typically there i've drank plenty of blends hmm. i should not say how much but <laughs> um it was one of my father's favorites, and then after he passed, I uh, went on a little bit of a Blanton's bender, what's, where what's... anytime I could find it, I ordered it, and it cost me a lot of money. No regrets, but... You're a Blanton's enthusiast. That's, that's but what it is. But to me, I also had a point of how much Blanton's I drank. So his thing is, he was trying to finish out the Blanton's tops. B to oh, S, gotcha. fully. And um, I was at my mom's house one day. And I went through the cupboard, and he had several Blanton's tops, and then he has two bottles of Blanton's unopened in his cupboard. And I took stock of all the tops, and I wrote down everything he had. Mm-hmm. I wrote down Blanton's, and everything he had, I crossed out. Yeah. And all the letters he was missing were my goal to find them. Uh-huh. And I found all of what he was missing and gave it to my mom. Wow. So now nice I'm on a goal of completing my own plans tops so we cracked the letter l tonight and i know i have one of the two ends um at home in a bottle that has not been cracked and so that's my next goal is to complete my own set tops nice now does this collection of yours stay intact if like say a dashing young man from nashville tennessee buys a bottle and isn't collecting them and happens to just send you a bottle top Yes, I will fully accept. Because <laughs> um, I'll be honest, a couple of friends of mine who are bartenders or longtime restaurant workers helped me collect and complete the first sets. Gotcha. So I will fully accept any tops that want to be sent my way. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Because I, I probably will not ever buy more than one bottle if I ever even find it. But I, I the collecting the tops is not necessarily for me. Right. But if I can give that to you and and kind of help complete that, absolutely, that would be awesome. 
Also, if anybody finds Caribou Crossing, I will pay you for the bottle <laughs> and the top. Oh, we, so we should talk Caribou after. Caribou Crossing is basically the Canadian Blanton's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've never actually had it, but they put a moose or a maple leaf on their top. Mm-hmm. I've never actually had it, but I am looking for a bottle or two, and I do pay through Venmo. Message received. <laughs> yeah, whiskey is one of those things that is is highly traded. I don't, you know, Dave, rum guy, is rum one of those things that is like highly allocated or like traded online that you've seen or not? to be honest I, i'd love to spin some bullshit and say oh yes i i honestly don't know i'm relatively new to the rum scene and i'm not sure i frankly am just approaching it from the perspective of i know what i like and i know what i haven't tasted yet and trying to learn as much as i can in a responsible way yes <laughs> there are <laughs> I will say there are a lot of Reddit threads that are devoted to rum yeah, and a lot of ensuing flame wars as well. Um, but I do know there are definitely special editions. I don't know if, if the difference between a special edition and an allocation is just marketing synonyms or not. Well, no. But um, I do know, like, because I, I sent you that photo of... The really, it was uh, what it was a uh, 2006, I think it was a 2006 something, yeah. I can't um, remember, but it was a, it was another Diplomatico, and that was $300, yeah. And there's n- no way in God's green earth that I could spend the money to do that, right? Um, but the fact that that exists means I think there is a, a following that is similar, it's it, it's probably a carbon copy of. The following of whiskey, just albeit you know, at a ten percent scale. <laughs> yeah, well, and I and I totally, I've said it multiple times, and who knows if this is you know part of the drinking game at this point. I think more Americans should get into rum because I, I think it follows the American palate a little bit better from growing up when it comes to our sweet palate. You know, we grow up drinking sweet a lot of times, and. To me, the natural progression after I got into, after I was able to try some sipping rums, is that it's rum. <laughs> you're it's welcome. not whiskey. <laughs> yeah, you're, you, thank you very much. Because <laughs> the original rum podcast we did, you and I actually talked a lot yeah. about what rum I should buy. And that's how I got the Diplomatico. And I really think that, you know, if we would, if people would get into rum, you could see the same kind of boom. Now, you may not want this because of prices, but you could see the same kind of boom going into rum as, we, as we've seen in bourbon, because I think people would like it just as much. Yeah. So what I would wonder is, like, I know that I like bourbon, and it, it has a little bit of a sweet side to it. And I know that it's, to, to me, feels more accessible for good bourbon than good rum. Is that a make-believe perception? Well, it depends on what you mean by accessible. I think... M- most uh, more available or um uh, i think it's more known okay i think it's more known over more accessible because most most liquor stores you're going to go into will have some good drinking rums right. it's just they themselves a lot of the times the the workers won't know that this is a good rum that you can just sip on and not mm-hmm. have to make cocktails out of because they're not drinking it. Okay. And in all honesty, the when it comes to what's going to make you more money, is the bourbon's going to make you more money. 
yeah. over the rum because the 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 cost difference isn't as isn't as great when it comes to rum. But I know every liquor store that I go into around here has ten to fifteen good sipping rums if you know what you're going for. Okay. But I could I don't know except for maybe one liquor store that I could ask somebody and says, Hey, what what of your rums would be one that would be great to sit by itself. So I think I think some of it is a learning curve on the staff mm-hmm. as well as the owner of just what they have versus, you know, the the whiskey they're gonna know. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people coming and asking for whiskey, but not a lot right. of people coming and asking for, for rum. It's kind of like how many people come and asking for, you know, a great Burgundy over a great California wine. And I would, kind of I would add to that. You would, uh, I mean, I'm walking out on a little bit of a ledge, but you would probably be surprised how many, how many store, you know, the, the guy at your liquor shop will know about rum. You know, I, <laughs> yeah. I live in Tennessee. Like, <laughs> We are known for whiskey. I mean, there's Kentucky and there's Tennessee, right? Um, and I went in back before I bought that. It was the night that I bought that Papa's Pilar that I've told you about. Yeah. I went in and I had no idea. I just knew I needed, I had finished off. What was it at that point? <laughs> <laughs> what was it? What did I finish off? So, I'm not the rum, how was, am I the uh, rum guy? Oh, it was the... Um, it was the the El Dorado. Um, I got a really nice bottle of 15-year El Dorado from my sister-in-law for Christmas. Yeah. And I had finally finished that off. And, uh, and so I went looking for something to refill the, I call it the pirate decanter. That's where I keep my rum. It's <laughs> kind of a little, in fact, I, I can send you a, uh, um, a picture of it and you can put it in the, yeah, I'll put it on in the, the Instagram feed or whatever. Yeah. I, I'm looking at this huge wall of, of rum and I, I still have no idea. Um, and I asked, and one of the guys walk wanders by and says, you know, can I help you with anything? And I, not expecting anything, I said, yeah, I, I mean, I'm looking for a, a, a rum that I can kind of sip on, you know, something that's a little bit nicer. You know, I like stuff that has caramel notes and spice and all that stuff. And I expected him to kind of think for a minute and, you know, give me some bullshit about, well, I, I think, you know... Bacardi has a nice one, you know, Yeah, dude rattled off like seven of them in a row. And it was like, they're right there, right there, right there, right there, right there. And I I was blown away. Right. Sometimes. And obviously it depends on the liquor store that you go to. Um, I know a lot of your listeners here are in, in central Arkansas and colonial is kind of the go-to. Right. Those dudes know their stuff. I, I happen to know that they have a fair amount of guys there that know a little bit about rum yeah, and they can point you in the right direction. If you can tell them or anywhere, if you're in, <laughs> we talked about Denmark earlier, yeah. Denmark or wherever you are, right? take the shot. If you can tell the, the store assistant what you like, what kind of flavors, you know, I've, I've just been drinking this great bottle of Maker's Mark and I want to try rum. What do you think? They'll point you in the right direction and it'll open up just like it did for me, like it did for Josh, it'll open up a whole new world for you. And once you're down the rabbit hole, man, there's, there's no yeah. going back. And I mean, that's, that's so true when it comes to any, any good, any good liquor. So Dave has secretly bored us something 
And I want him to tell us what it is. So, so we have one more rum that we're going to try before we head into the blind. Yes. So this is a special rum. I smelled it and it blew my mind. <laughs> so I want to know a little bit more about it before I kind of get into it. So Dave, why don't you tell us what it is? So I, I'm very mindful of the fact that we've been going for a long time. And if you're still <sighs> listening, thank you. Um, <laughs> thank, thanks, Dad. <laughs> uh, but uh, this is this is a rum that was given to me by Kevin Shade. Listeners may remember him from the EPL episode. He was hopefully going to be on tonight, and he wasn't hey, able to. I think he's he's traveling. Family. He's yeah. out of town somewhere. We've we've had to change we've had to change this date a couple of times <laughs> to try to get, get Kevin on, but we ended up. Dave was like, "Are you sure we're going to do it?" That's all. Kevin, I was like, "If we don't, if we don't do it this week, it, it, it's not going to happen." <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're sorry, Kevin. A little you bit suck. Of, a little bit of a time crunch, um, just because you know we got to get the. Well, we, I'm talking like I have any part of this. Josh has to get the episodes out without his dad. Um, I've got got four days and a 40 hour a week job before this episode comes out. out, Right. (laughs) Five days. Um, Have fun with editing. Yeah. All of that to say, um, I thought it would be really nice to bring a little kind of special treat for everyone. Um, This is a rum called Chairman's Reserved Spiced. It is a St. Lucia rum, and it's very special to me. It's in the the Pirate Decanter back at home because I was one of the very fortunate few to go to Kevin's wedding. He had a destination wedding when he, where he, you know, he and Renee married, uh, and it was in St. Lucia. And my then girlfriend, now wife, Catherine, went to that wedding and got a house with some other people, and basically just had a blast. We. There was a swimming pool. We drank rum, and we AKA made food. They partied their asses it off. Was, it was awesome. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but one of the things that really stuck in my mind was this chairman's reserve. We had plenty of it, and went to the wedding. Wedding was awesome. The whole trip was amazing. When we came home, I was ecstatic to find out that chairman's is something you can if you can if you know where to look you can find it in the u.s the problem is that the specific bottles that we bought from the store are not available in the u.s the and spiced. it's chairman's reserved spice you can get chairman's spiced you can get chairman's reserve but you cannot get the chairman's <laughs> spice reserve and i was absolutely heartbroken because for whatever reason it's a very distinctive taste is Josh has already kind of mentioned, and it when I drink it, it brings me immediately back to an amazing trip and an amazing time, lots of of happiness and just you know being there on a beautiful island with you know my girlfriend and the views and the smells and the jump up that we went to, like everything was absolutely amazing, and that liquor has been lost to me until until recently yeah uh, kevin managed to find someone and i don't he didn't tell me his sources i'm not gonna ask you don't tell your good sources exactly <laughs> but he managed to find a way to source the chairman's reserved spice and he straight up bought a case and the next time he saw me he gave me one it was it happened to be for my birthday yeah this is one that is very very close to my heart is it as good as the Diplomatico or uh, Papa's Pilar or any of the other ones? I don't know. My inclination is no, just on a purely unemotional 
uh, level, but it's my favorite rum ever. I will savor this as long as I possibly can. It will probably drive Catherine <laughs> crazy because I don't drink it very much and it just sits there, but it's very, very special to me. And the fact that Kevin couldn't be here, I wanted to share it with you guys and also kind of, you know, pull Kevin into, into what we're doing tonight. Um, in spirit, at least. So, yeah. unintended. <laughs> it is, it's very good. To me, it's like mold rum. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's, it's like if you take all those mulling spices. It's big. And cinnamon, banana. Cinnamon, yeah. clove. This is candy. Lots of, ba- yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sad. I got a short pour. <laughs> it's mine's. Well, I've done, I'll I've share. Done some more. No, Here. no, trust me. Jordan, I, Jordan I will share. share. <laughs> okay, fair yeah. enough. It's just a bonus, I guess, that I wanted to bring and, and share with you guys. I mean, the, the story behind the Blantons that you shared with us is very emotional and moving. Nothing I can do can touch that necessarily, but I wanted to also kind of share something that was very close to me with, yeah. with the rest of you. Well, and that, you know, I, I think I've, fi- I've found a lot of times when it comes to higher end higher end liquors especially or even iron wines uh, not so much with beer but a lot of them will evoke you know a time a place and a specific mm-hmm. emotion and that's what makes you choose what you choose like jordan's chooses blanton's because of the story dave if you could find this i know it would always be near decanter because Absolutely. of what it is i'm terrified that i'm going to end up Drinking the rest of it and never ever able to well, get it again. Thank you for sharing because <laughs> yes. I know that's less you get to drink, but we appreciate it. Oh, no, it's and you know, I, there are things you know, there are things that I've had that kind of have that. I'm sure, Stephen, there's something you, know, you can kind of put your finger on that has that like emotional attachment to it that just kind of makes it makes it even if it's a even if it's what we call a, like a lower thing it just has that emotional attachment to it's, it it's it makes special, it luxury it's special beyond whatever tasting notes and nonsense you want to pull out like it is it is very very special to you and i, I have a great friend he was actually a, a friend of my wife before uh, i met him and now we're fast friends his name is uh, jake and his dad loved jim beam yeah Jim Beam is not great. Like it's it's a good whiskey. Yeah, it's, it's not a great. great mixing whiskey. Yeah, yes. <laughs> but every time I see him, because it, it was something that his dad drank, and his dad right. passed away as well. Every time we see him, I try to bring him some Jim Beam, just because I know how much it means to him. And on the on the flip side, when he has shared some with me, you know, around a you know the fire pit at right. his house, it's a very very special. The bottle itself is not. It's not special. It's not about the bottle. Mm-hmm. It's not about the liquid in the bottle. It's about it's the about memories that come with the bottle. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think it's important to, if you have something like that, to, to share that. Yeah. And bring people in your world. I think it's, it's very important. So. Right. And that's one of the things that, you know, is a back end reason of this podcast is to, you know, share those stories and bring other people into it because, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's around the table. Jordan, you know? stop it. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> it's, it's the thing. It's around the table. You know, around the table is where life, I think, slows down enough to happen. 
And it doesn't matter. Sometimes it doesn't even matter what's on the table. It's who's around the table with you and the time that you spend with it. So, yes, agreed. And Dave, this is, I mean, it's really good. (laughs) That's beautiful. Uh, Josh was sad that he got a short pour. So I shared my pour because I'm not a huge rum fan, but I will say for rum that it's beautiful just in general that i got a lot of banana i might be crazy but i got a lot of banana out of it a lot of banana but it had banana and sweet and spice and it just it married so well and was just lovely to drink and as a non-rum drinker uh dave you might have converted me (laughs) and i'll I'll say this like i would never do it but i want to take this and put it in really good apple cider and make a faux like apple, oh. like a faux mold cider. Or imagine this in a hot toddy. Yes. Like you wouldn't need anything hot else toddy, but yes. this, that little bit of lemon and some hot water. Maybe some, like you may not even need the honey. You don't like, need, you don't need the cinnamon just, stick. Maybe a dash of honey, but really. It has all uh, that you need. Sorry, I just hijacked your story. No, no, I mean, the story was done. It's, well, it's not a big deal. Well, no, I hijacked his story about the hot toddy. Well, oh. that's, that's it. I mean, it's a hot toddy. I, I, I would never do it because of how it seems, I would assume, with the price of this, if I were able to find it. But it just, it, that's what it made me think of. It's honestly. Kevin, text me because I, yeah. I need your importer. Yeah, I, I, I mean, he wouldn't even tell me. It's very big. And I'm noticing a maybe a, a friend in the grown the Negroni is pretty bitter orange. This is very spicy orange to me. It, yeah. I get a lot, a lot of orange. Like I, I, I think it's in a, a mold cider or whatever or a mold wine. You put like you stick the cloves into an in orange. orange. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's Ugh. it's like <laughs> and glue glue wine is what she's talking about. Glue. Depending on depending on what Scandinavian country you're talking about, that's what they call mold wine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, my friend I that, that I talked about that her mom was no. from Denmark. No. Every Christmas they made this mold wine. Yeah. Glug. It's glug or glug wine. It's like gee, what a red sexy wine, name. white wine, <laughs> cinnamon, cloves, oranges. Like yeah, I have the recipe somewhere. Like I have her recipe. Yeah. That has been translated from the Danish language. Well, I would love to have a copy of that. It is delightful, but it will get you very drunk very, very, very quickly. As I I learned when I was 18 and the first time I had it. (laughs) So, Stephen, we... we, Two glasses in and I was three sheets to the wind. (laughs) So, Stephen, we've talked about this from a lot. What have you thought about it? Besides liquid candy. Oh, um... That hasn't already been said about it. Um, oh, you I, can repeat. We keep hanging him out to dry. Like Sorry, we're all Steven. so excited. <laughs> well, I mean, and he's very, very polite. So we all just go in and we talk about what we're tasting. What, and then we kick it to him, and he's like, "I, I mean, what yes. you guys said. I don't know." Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'll just repeat what they said a little bit as Jordan throws things on the floor. <laughs> it was plant and stop. I suck. Ho- it's okay. The horse just wanted to run. Yep. And it ran. <laughs> so I, I definitely agree with all the, the mulling spices. Um, it, it feels appropriate, you know, as we get into fall that, you know, we, we have something with, with that flavor to it. Um, it doesn't quite taste like fall, but it feels like it's moving in that direction. Yeah. I, I also like continuing the experiments and tried it with the creme brulee and it didn't fight it as much as I expected it to. Um, they kind of got along and, you know, held hands and walked down the street. 
chocolate, which I thought was really surprising. Chocolate and those spices, you know, go well. Because, Jordan, you didn't use a super bitter chocolate in the creme brulee. No, you just used, like, I used a semi-sweet that was 50% bitter chocolate. So yeah, just so, a little over half. So I didn't use like a 76% or something ridiculously bitter So because I'm not a fan. <laughs> so it, it would play well. It played well with those yeah, spices. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't yeah. say that either one of them made the other especially better, but they they got along really well. Yeah, they're they're good friends. They they like to hang out. Yeah. Okay. Much like us. So speaking, I think we make each other better, Dave. Before I think we are enhancing each other. Before you pour, oh, it's blind time. Unless we have more <laughs> stories to tell, it's blind time, and this is a super special, exciting blind time because for once, I don't have to do it on a Who's liquor doing week. The blind? This I was really afraid of this. <laughs> so this, you're welcome. This that blind, I chose the blind. Is it Pappy Van Winkle? This, if it is. I need the rest of the bottle because yeah. I don't know where it is. <laughs> if if it is actually Pamphlet Van Winkle, he's just going to serve us empty glasses and then he's going to run off to the other end of the house. <laughs> uh, you're going to have to find me. Uh, I'll be in the hot tub. Uh, so, <laughs> so this blind is actually going to be done collaboratively by Steven and Dave. Steven and Dave are going to do the blind while they're a sheet and a half to the wind each. So it's going to be a full three sheets of the wind so blind this here. is going to be an extra blind because I had no idea I was blinding. Yeah. So I, I've never blinded a thing before. That's okay. We were talking You're about welcome. this. We were talking about this before, yeah. uh, before we even like kind of went on, on tape and I looked over at Steven and I said, so I don't know for sure, <laughs> but I think he's actually going to blind us. Yep. And yep. the look on your face <laughs> It's just one of sheer terror. But trust, like, well, I, and I'm not afraid for me because you know I, I'll drink it and it'll be great. Wait, you're afraid of me, for me? No, well, I'm afraid for the people of listening. <laughs> <laughs> because these, these poor people ha- have like got expectations at a certain level as they're listening to this podcast and be like, you know, they, they've got charts, they've got experience, they they have, you know, they've practiced this. And now this is being handed over to a guy who hasn't Noobs. tried gin, uh, who hasn't tried mezcal, and they're going to blind me with, I guess, a liquor because it's a liquor week, and is, I'm going to yep. try to figure out, Well, I, I'm, I'm, at me. this point, I'm going to say it's either a rum or a bourbon. And that's as good as we're gonna get. Oh come on! So <laughs> well, we gotta look at it first. You, you have you've got a partner. You're not doing it by yourself. So you guys are gonna work together. Talk about what you're tasting and decide what it's going to be. This chair will get you as far and as this is probably a rum or this is probably a bourbon. <laughs> and that's about as far as we'll get. And hopefully Dave can carry us for the rest of the way. See, but, uh, so I will say I picked the blind and I have been extremely nice to you boys. See, but that I doesn't mean like. I will not give you any more hints than that, but I have been way nicer than I could have been. Oh, see, does I wanted that, to give you all mean... fucking Calvados. Yeah, and I, I told him no. That's what I expected is some sort of crazy, like, orange-fruited brandy or some nonsense not that, that we'd, never, we'd never be able to get. Or, or something that I've said on air that I like a lot and then just haven't had in the past few months. And then I look like a total moron when you're like, hey, remember that time when you said Dummy <laughs> bourbon was really good and yet you couldn't pick it out of a glass? Yeah, congratulations. That's your blind. Do we have a chart? Do we have like a piece of... 
Yeah, I, I, I'm the, the, you, the scientist uh, in your okay. quotes over here. So while, <laughs> I'll, I'll this this, while I'm pouring this up, if you want something to look over, when I do this, I usually use the WSET's um, level three <laughs> spirit tasting sheet. And both of our phones phones, like come up real quick. They're ready to pull that up and taste. As you're searching for it, make sure you search for the, make sure you open the spirit one, not the wine one, because it won't make any sense. But (laughs) on that note, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and pour it up and it's going to be really fun. What to do? Oh, Oh, we were disappointed. Well, now we're recording. recording. Now we are. Okay. Okay. So let's, let's take this back to the fact, let's, let's rewind because listeners we've been talking and i say listeners all this is going to be edited out anyway <laughs> but josh josh thought he was helping us by telling us oh just look up this wsct level three systematic approach to tasting spirits blah 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 oh shit you know what i've just looked up wine even though i said spirits you, okay so i've got the spirits one and the categories i don't are even understand okay color, <laughs> aroma and flavor intensity Aroma and flavor characteristics, other and finish. And the qualifications are like colorless, golden, brown, other, light, medium, pronounced. And so where I thought that looking up this chart would give me a map of take these characteristics and it maps to this kind of spirit. All I've really got is like a list of highway names. (laughs) (laughs) And they don't even tell me where they start and end. Because that's a testing tasting sheet it's not a flow chart right i need a flow chart because i've never been there before and i don't know how to get there i don't even i've literally <laughs> i've literally googled wsct level three tasting sheet pdf spirits and this is why and it keeps referring me to wine google I don't, better put spirit in the front and put uh, it in uh, double quotes google better the times that you've told me to do that <laughs> And this is why when I come on the podcast. I Googled it and I found it. And you're still over there thumbing it. (laughs) (laughs) And this is why when I come on the podcast, I get to do the blind, not be the one that is blinded. Okay. Okay. So I've got it now. Because I suck at life. We we have the blind leading the blind here. I've got it. Yeah. Okay. As entertainment value, this is going to be gold. (laughs) Educational. Just... If you're here to learn, just stop now. um, You probably want to fast forward some. Yeah, I will say I was very nice with the blind I chose, boys. You told us that, but see that does that mean nice meaning it's an easy thing to pick out, or nice meaning like you gave us Blantons or something really like you were generous in your selection of spirit? Yes, on both accounts. Oh, okay. She's a dick. It's okay. Oh. Yeah, Josh, do you have like when when you're editing, do you have like a uh, a, a little bleep. a bleep like kind of hot hot button? Oh god damn it! Um, okay. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, I'm not. In, I'm well, I mean, what I'm, what I'm telling you, Davis, you don't have to find it anymore because it's not going to help you in the first place. <laughs> That's well, I mean, I hold that a little bit of hope. Hey, so can I get some of that blind? Okay. Like, what I really need on here is something that says bourbon or gin or... <laughs> the color should give that away. Hold on. Wait, okay. there's a little bit of blank. You say there. that, but I don't know that. Hold on, let me sit down. All right, all right. It's definitely, it's definitely not a rum, but I'm, I'm going ahead of... I'm pretty sure it's whiskey. I am too, but, but again, like, welcome to Pandora's box. Is it Jameson? <laughs> is it scotch? Is it bourbon? <laughs> is it rye? Like... 
you tell me you can you can pick out between rye and normal bourbon and yes no. I, I mean yes well josh we all know that you can that, that's what i'm saying the expectations for the people listening are like yes. up here and now you've got the two stooges coming in down here, just hoping yes. not to hit each other in the nose. Yes, well, I this think is the fact play, that... play the Benny Hill theme and just. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So let's let's slow down. All I want you guys to get to is the most specific style that this is. Well, you don't have to tell me brand. You don't have to tell me anything like any far that down. You just got to tell me the specific style. Now, I do. I would like for you to kind of go through that grid. I know it's not. I know it's not a flow chart, Mr. Programmer. That's going to that's gonna get you to an answer. Yo, I'm not a programmer either, and I want a flow chart. Okay, Mr. Artist. I know, right? it's, I know it's not a rendering that's going to help you get to your final product, but I do kind of want you to go through these markers and talk about it because I'm going to kind of co- I'm going to coach you a little bit through it to help you kind of see okay. how these can help you figure out what it is. So for the color definitely not colorless uh it's golden i can see through it yep the um, intensity is probably i would say medium what do you think for the aroma and flavor intensity no for the appearance are we looking at the same sheet no make sure you're talking into your mics guys sorry <laughs> what are you okay so I'm looking at level we, one what so are you looking at i'm looking at level three i thought no. we were told to look at level one no oh, i thought I we were told level, to look at level, I three. level three. Oh, boom <laughs> I found what I was looking for. I just looked for the wrong thing. Okay. Cheers, boys. <laughs> I'm going to drink now. This is going to be the best blind ever. Or the worst. No, or maybe it's, gonna it's be, the same. I don't know. Trust me, it's going to be the best. Okay, so it is kind of golden. Dave, as the artist, describe your color. Um, I would put it... Uh, look through the bottom. It may, it may give yeah, you a better look. Yeah, that's a little better. It is, it is golden. It's got a tiny bit of red in there. It's not, it's not orange by any means. It is definitely, um, it's got, to me, it kind of has that like amber. It's almost like straw. Okay. Okay. Um, no, not amber. It's not dark enough to be amber. At least not in my glass. A goldish. I'm getting kind of like a, a lighter gold. Yeah, well, I'm Amber. I'm looking at it from oh. across the table, but I am also looking at it in the the wall behind you is red. Gosh, you're red. also closer to the light too, True. like the overhead light. Yeah. So you get it. When I when I hold it up and basically look at it through the ceiling, it is. Oh, sorry, I'm probably not talking. No, you're mic. good. Um, it is. I'm gonna revise it. It's not straw because it's got more red in it than that. Um, it is. This is why you ask the artist the colors. Yeah. <laughs> if this I was is, if I was really good, I'd rattle off a Pantone color, but I'm not that good. This is asking Julia the colors. Um, I would I would say it's it's a golden. It's like a late late kind of sunset almost. Okay. Like so, it's it's definitely yellow, but it's got just enough of the red in it that it tinges it just a little bit. Okay. I get that. So straight off the bat, what does that tell you about this distillate? Color comes well, from it's, what? It's it comes from the barrels. Okay, so we ob- we so it's, automatically it's know it's, been, it's it, definitely been barrel aged. It's been barrel aged. Now, is it super dark or is it no. kind of more on the lighter side? No, I would say it's more on the lighter side. Okay, good. That's gonna that's gonna talk to us about age, which is gonna yeah. help us when we get down to into the smells and the taste of it to help us understand the possible outcome. So, what do you smell? I smell I smell whiskey. I smell. Okay, what about it makes it whiskey? It's grainy. The spice. It's okay. not sweet. Grain, 
not uh, smelling a ton of fruit or anything like that. Okay. No, yeah, no fruit. Um, no, it's the weird, and it, I don't it, know. It's that little bit of a woody smell to yeah. it. Yeah. It's, there's when I say spice, it's not the spice that was in the room that we just had the cinnamon and the clove and the nutmeg and all. It's not that, right? It is. It's it's wood. It's, okay. You could also say that that the level of spice is underneath. It's more in the vanilla. background. Yeah, there's a lot of vanilla. More in the background, but definitely that cereal, that cereal grain smell kind of yeah. hits you up front. There's also kind. Do you guys smoke kind Cheerios. of a? Like, yeah. Do you smoke Cheerios. kind of a like a sweetness? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely now sweet. Now I but can't it's get not... Cheerios out of my head. Thanks, but Dave. What about a honey? <laughs> but, We're a team, but is it, man. Is it a We're regu- a team. Is it a regular Cheerio or is it more of a Honey Nut Cheerio? Uh, I mean, I might be going down the wrong path. Or a multi-grain Cheerio. It's 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 a regular Cheerio. It's not okay. honey. I, I don't I don't smell honey. A little bit more multi-grain Cheerio. Okay, but I'm not a Cheerio expert either. What else? What else? <laughs> <laughs> We have to ask our kids about that. They yeah. they eat the majority of the Cheerios so in our house. What, el- what else is on there under a smell or aroma? Not not a uh, sharp alcohol smell. Okay. Yeah, it's, uh, very, it's very smooth. Yeah. Okay. So the <laughs> thank alcohol, you, Jordan. The alcohol is prevalent, but it's not punching you in the nose. It's right. not burning your nose hairs on fire. All right. Now go ahead and taste it. Uh, hang on. Well, I think they've been there. No, I no, don't. Taste it again. <laughs> neither, neither of them actually have yet. Oh wow, you're better than I am. You have two analytical guys tasting this right now. Yeah, I, I hope everyone is listening. Like, I hope you've got another half hour because that's probably how long <laughs> it's going to take. Us. No, don't worry. I'll start speeding you up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, what do you taste? What's the what are kind of some of the first things you taste? Don't dive deep. What just comes out naturally? No fruit. I don't okay. taste any fruit. Grain, honey, nuts. What do you What do you got? Sweetness, honey. I get okay. honey. Steven? Uh, a little bit of a spice that I don't know anything about. Um, a little bit of alcohol. Okay. Um, um, it's sweet. Still still have the wood there. Yeah, it is sweet, I think. Uh, okay, taste it again. Now, beyond what you, what's underneath what you said. So we've said sweet, a spice, a grain. What's a, is there anything underneath that? Do you think this is a rye? Uh, I, I'm trying to figure out if there's corn there or not, and, and I'm trying to like imagine what that would even be. Well, because I don't know. Because so. rye can be. Because rye can be all. All something has to be is right. And Josh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it just has to be a majority rye. So Good. it could be 51 percent rye and then 49 percent corn. Right, but I, I'm trying to figure out what is prevalent. Yeah, and, and I'm kind of searching for that. And trying to figure that out. I don't. So when you're when you're going, I'll, I'll go on record and say it's not scotch. Okay, definitely not scotch. Why not? Why why not? It's not smoked enough. It's not. I mean, I've had a fair amount of. Uh, I say a fair amount of not scotch. Not all scotch I mean, is smoky. Right, but even the least smoky ones, I don't think taste like this. Okay, so I right, agree so with we, that. So we're we've knocked scotch out. We've knocked rum out. It's not gin. rum. Why not? Why is it not it's, rum? There's no there's no fruit. There's no fruit. It's not sweet enough. There's no fruit. Okay. That's, but, and frankly, that's all you need. Okay. So no, it's not rum. It's not gin, not a vodka. It's obviously not. Not a gin. Scotch. Yeah. It's not, you said it's not a scotch. So we're down to brandy, any type of liqueur, Irish whiskey, American whiskey, bourbon, and rye. Now, ryes are going to be spicy. And when we say spicy, we're talking like pepper spicy, not I don't black think pepper. It's that. Like, Almost like chili spicy. Oh, really? I I never tasted it chili ha- in my. Well, it, it has. It, it may not be like. From what I understand, it's it's like um, 
chilies, not like spicy chili, like um, not like chili powder, but like hatch green chilies that right. like okay. capsaicin yeah. spice kind of thing, which I don't, I have, I have not heard either of you say that this seems spicy. No, so, and it I, has I, some in there, but it's not the prevalent. So it's since it's not the prevalent. I mean, I mean, is it's it got to be fifty one percent rye. I, I don't think so. I think it's got to be. Let's throw rye out. I think it's got to be a, a normal. Well, I say normal. Let, let me back up. I think yeah. I I don't think it's rye. Um, okay, let's throw rye out. It's too. It's too sweet. It's too smooth. Okay, so um, taste it. I want you to taste it again. I don't think it's a cognac either. Okay, not a cognac because uh, again, like it's not. Um, God, my words are not with me. Like cognac, when I've when I've had it, is very. It just gives a feeling of it's very rich. There's okay. a lot of depth okay. to it. This and seems a little bit more linear. Yes, linear is a great. Yes, yes. I I don't think it's. I really don't think it's cognac. Okay. This kind of runs through your palate, doesn't really kind of coat your palate and give you things outside. Yeah. That it finishes really line. it finishes really clean. Okay. Um, so cognacs are out. So now we're down to Irish whiskeys, American whiskeys, and bourbons. I have a feeling, I don't know. My my experience with Irish whiskey is pretty limited. Okay. And by that I mean I've only had Jameson. Okay. Um, but I've had Jameson enough to know that this is not Jameson. Stephen, um, what, you, what you think about that? I've had Jameson. It's been a minute. Um, and I, I, I it, it doesn't seem familiar enough for me to like jump out and say, oh yeah, that's what that was. Yeah. But I also don't know what distinguishes an Irish whiskey from any other whiskey. Okay. Can I ask a question? You can. I'm not always going to answer it. Is this local? No. Okay. This is not local. Okay. Okay. So now the two of you decide and make a decision. What is this? I think it's definitely whiskey. I think that's about as close as I can get. I would go. I don't know that I think it's the bourbon. Why not? I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm, I want to know. I want to know why. I don't know that I can confidently say it's not a bourbon. Dude, nothing um, you can <laughs> say. Nothing you said right now is confident. There, there is zero confidence. Confidence left the building about five minutes um, ago. Well, and, and I'll say I don't think it's a bourbon because I tend to drink. A lot like, of bourbon. I, I don't drink a lot, but what I tend to drink is some <laughs> a bourbons. A reasonable amount of bourbon. Uh, Let's a, say that. A, a couple of different bourbons. Um, yeah. Like, the makers we had was a bourbon. Um, yeah. And, you know, the, I can't even remember the name of the. Blanton's. Blanton's is a bourbon. So I'm probably not in the best, like, mental shape either. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't, just based on gut feel, I don't guess it's a bourbon. Okay. So, so I, I'm now terrible at this. Do you need to decide what are we going to call it? Maybe. Gut. Go with your gut. I am okay. go with that final gut. So what are we down to? We're we're saying down, not you, a bourbon. We're down to like Irish whiskey. We're saying so, not rye. No, well, you you've gone away from. So what you you're down to two. I don't know if you've gone the bourbon. other one. American whiskey and bourbon are the two that y'all are down to. I'm gonna say American whiskey. Dave, you can com, you can confirm or you can go your own way. You can go your, your own way. way. Go your own way. I am Stephen. You know I love you. Oh, we all know what that means in Dave speak. I think it's going to be a bourbon. Okay. Okay. And if I can swing for the fences. Oh. Do it. Swing away. Go for it. Swing away. As they say in signs, swing away. Because, uh, because frankly, it's better entertainment. (laughs) 
I love you, Dave. (laughs) I think it is Woodford Reserve. Oh, Oh. Dave's going to distillery. I think it's Woodford Reserve. Okay. All right. So Dave has called it the Woodford Reserve. And I I see it. Jordan right now has the bottle behind her back. And is waiting until we finish the episode to show you guys what it is. It's true. I'm evil like that. I got to do the extra before we're going to finish it. But. So Dave has called it the Woodford Reserve. And I'm going to feel terrible if that's what it is, because Dave has gotten that for me before. It, 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 <laughs> I Steven, have, but I'm going to also feel terrible if it's not, because I, I, I really think that's what it is. Okay. Hey. <laughs> but you know if that's... it's not, I'm going to look like <laughs> such an idiot. You know how many times I've looked like an idiot on this show? <laughs> Plenty of times. It doesn't matter. That's, that's the whole fun of it. But Stephen called it an American whiskey. Uh, not a bourbon, but an American whiskey. I think it's a bourbon. And we, you got to come back next week. Can to I insert evil cackle here for fun? <laughs> oh, jeez. Sure that just means it. <laughs> and you'll have to come back next week to find out whether Dave or Steven, neither or both, or one or the other, are correct. Speaking of next week, next week I'm going to... Dad is still off in Italy. Yeah, such Having a hard a great life. time. I mean, right now he's in, enjoying his life in Venice, and I'm very jealous of him. But next week, we're going to have a great, another great guest on. We're going to have a wine episode, and our good friend Seth Barlow is coming on the podcast Aww, to, Kins. to try and convert me to a Chardonnay drinker. So he's going to be bringing two Chardonnays and then we're going to be doing pairings with it. And it's going to be it's going to be a great time as he he tries to convert me to one of his favorite grapes. If anyone can do it, he can. I, you know, it it could be possible, but I will we'll ha- we'll have to wait. We'll have to wait and see which ones he brings me. Once again, we appreciate you guys listening to us. I really appreciate George. Dave and Steven for coming on, especially Dave and Steven for driving in from out of town. No, thank you for sharing all this with me. This yeah. was amazing. It's been really yeah, fun. We'll definitely have to do it again. And maybe we can get you guys on when dad's here and we can all make fun of him together. And uh, maybe we can get Kevin Shade to come on at some point besides just the EPL weekend, which I was not part of. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to get Kevin Kevin on. Kevin, we missed you. We we hope you guys had a good a good time traveling, but definitely you missed a fan fucking tastic podcast. Uh, but we love you. We miss you. Once again, to check out everything we drank and we ate this week, check out our Instagram. We are at Acquired Tastings. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. But one, like I say all the time, we are most active on Instagram. If you feel like, send us an email. We are acquiredtastings at gmail.com. And we are on almost all the podcast platforms out there. We really appreciate you. Give us a, your stars, your ratings, everything like that. Give us a like or a follow, however your podcast platform does it. And we will see you again next week. So once again, I'm Josh Mills. I'm Jordan. I'm John Mills. <laughs> and I'm Steven. <laughs> and we'll see you next time. 